Publishing for Profit podcast is brought to you by Ghostwriters and Co. Earn more money by publishing better content and learn how to increase your thought leadership so you can build your brand. Head over to ghostwritersandco.com for more information. That's ghostwritersandco.com. And now, your host, Joel Mark Harris. Hello, and welcome to the Publishing for Profit podcast. This is your host, Joel Mark Harris. Today, we are interviewing Melanie Donis, who has a new book out called Leaning on Mom, Letters to Roberta, How a Mom of Three with Autism Found Strength During the Pandemic. It's really a heart-wrenching tale of how she coped through the pandemic. She um, is a recovering alcoholic, uh, and she has obviously three kids, three boys with autism, and how she managed to get through these tough times uh, and really persevere. It's a great story. We talk about uh, how she launched the book, how it started out as a journaling exercise and became something bigger. So it's really a, a great interview. Uh, she has fantastic insight, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Hi, Melanie. Welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm fabulous. Thanks, Joel. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I want to start. Well, first off, uh, you wrote a new book, uh, Leaning on Mom. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about, about your book and, and the circumstances that arose uh, with you for writing it? Sure. Thank you. Happen to have it right here, of course. Perfect. Yeah. Um, the full title, somewhat of a mouthful, but um, Leaning on Mom, Letters to Roberta, How a Mom of Three with Autism Found Strength During the Pandemic. And I am a mom of three school-aged children with autism, three boys. And um, I, I really found myself in a place that I had never been before during the pandemic. I was very panicked. Um, one of them was um, having severe behavior challenges. Another one really can't survive without having a continuous and constant schedule, which I knew was not going to be the case. And then another one is um, completely nonverbal. And we are working on um, various communication strategies with him that required other people to be around him, as well as um uh, outside activities in the community, like learning how to use the restroom, a public restroom, um, which is something that he still doesn't do, um, so on and so forth. And, um, you know, in addition, I found myself um, facing some mental health challenges and I lost my mom three years ago and I just started using journaling as a means of therapy, something that I had never done before. So the book is a compilation of 26 letters that I wrote to my mom from March, actually from February 8th until June 22nd, which was um, the first part of the lockdown and the pandemic. Can what, did it start out as a book idea or was it purely just uh, a means to to journal and gather your thoughts and to, um, I guess, you know, center yourself? 
absolutely. It, it was not a book. Um, I really, I, I am an independent um, author. I'm a newbie at this. I do have a little bit of experience writing because I have um, co-authored two books for professional purposes because I'm an executive recruiter by trade. But um, I, it really wasn't a book. Uh, so many people have told me I should write a book about my family, but I never really felt like I had my niche uh, my whole network of friends and uh, have you are, are pretty much all autism moms or in the autism profession. So um, we all have seen it all. And I really didn't have anything that I felt like would be unique. And um, but I did just start out by writing. And after about three weeks, I realized that someone may actually enjoy reading this. And actually, I would enjoy um, documenting it and reading it years and years from now after the pandemic was over. So was there a, like a aha moment where I'm like, I'm going to turn this into a book? Or was it something that you came to realize over time that maybe this would be beneficial to somebody reading it? I... I felt like I had some content that someone may like to read. And then I did reach out to a friend who was an editor and we started talking about it. And within 20 minutes, we started talking about how I could write letters and, and then right away the topic or the idea and my aha moment came up about writing letters to my mom who passed away suddenly um, three years ago. Mm. And I, you know, I really miss her. I took her passing um, very hard. I, I miss her tremendously. And, um, and, and it was very therapeutic. And so that was, it was about three weeks in when I decided that it was, that the book would be letters to my mom. And at that point, it just started flowing very easily. Um, and uh, every morning I got up during the first four months of the pandemic, I got up at 5 a.m. And I wrote from five to seven. Can you tell us a little bit about your mom? Obviously, she's a very, was a very influential person in your life and um, somebody that you you know, I'm, I'm assuming you looked up to what's, you know, what was she like and what sort of relationship did you have with her? I had a very close relationship with my mom. Um, she was a very devout Christian. Um, she never missed a day of church. She went to church three times a week, um, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday evening. Oh, and then there was also Friday morning women's prayer group. Um, my mom, during the last, uh, during the last 10 years of her life, she walked with a walker and it was challenging for her to get around. She had several back surgeries, but she was continuously helping others. And she literally went from one 
um, person that was in um, hospice type care to another, including her brothers and friends and neighbors and dedicated her life to them and her time to them and supporting them during the last few months of their life. I, I could probably count about 15 people during the last 10 years of her life that she helped that way. Um, she always was reading um, Grace Livingston Hill books. Um, she loved guideposts. Uh, yes, what can I say? Um, she always loved reading some kind of Christian-based um, magazine or, or publication. And did you always have a good relationship with her? No, not always. Mm -hmm. I have to say there was a point in my life when I was, when I felt like the black sheep of the family, I grew up in West Virginia. Um, well, part of my childhood was Indiana and part of my childhood was West Virginia. I am a coal miner's daughter. A lot of people can't believe <laughs> that, but I'm a very proud coal miner's daughter. Um, my father is also deceased. And um, right after college, I moved to California. And then I ended up in New York through a job. Um, but there was a period of time when we weren't that close. But after I had my children, um, we became very, very close. I rarely missed a day without talking to her, sometimes twice a day. Can you tell us a little bit about your journaling? How long have you been doing it for? And what have you discovered through the process? Um, journaling. Well, I really had never used journaling before until February 8th when I started writing. And um, really at that point, it was kind of just a brain dump on a Google document. And um, I, you know, it, it was incredibly therapeutic for me. Um, it, it most definitely instigated change and growth that I could, I had never seen before. And I have seen therapists and gotten help from counselors before um, through my mental health challenges. And I have to say that journaling um, gave me so much relief and comfort and peace and motivation during a time when I think that we were all very, very low. And um, somehow, some way I made it through and I came out with a book, I'm super proud. <laughs> And as you should be. Thank you. Uh, what, I mean, what prompted the journaling if you had never tried it before or had never thought about the pr practice? What motivated you to, to pick it up and, and obviously become very dedicated towards it? Thank you. I was at my second bottom in, alco in alcoholism. Mm -hmm. um, I, uh, I, I am a recovering alcoholic and several years ago I found sobriety and then um, two years ago I relapsed and I, no one knew and I had tried to um, get sober again from August through December and it just wasn't working and, and I was going to an outpeat my an outpatient clinic where I go on Long Island, I continue to go to. And then I had to stop going um, because my son was hospitalized out of state. And um, he came home and I was still trying to get sober. And every day, I, no matter what I did, I could not get more than three to five days under my belt. Mm. And, and then I realized when the pandemic hit that this was time. 
it wasn't it wasn't about two days or three days and then slipping again this was it this was my time um i thought the um i thought that the liquor stores were considered non-essential and um so i knew it was my time and i and it was my bottom because i refused to to go to the liquor store and then um and then let my and then um possibly expose my family and then possibly expose my family to a deadly virus. And that was my second bottom. So if we can dive a little bit deeper into this, um, what, what happened that you um, relapsed the first time? Oh, very interesting story. Something that I learned about myself and that is that I, um, I did not know how to relax mm. without drinking. When you think about it, we all go to part, you, you're drinking at a party, you go to the beach, you drink, you go wherever you're going, wherever you're going, um, you, you usually have a drink in your hand. And for the first time in 10 years, my husband and I were alone. And I mean, we have gone out to dinner for a few times, but really rarely did we go out. And um, at that point, I had um, my, all three of my children were going to sleepaway camp for two weeks hmm. together. And I really didn't know what to do with myself. And as soon as the, the week before, when I was preparing for the three of them to go um, to go to camp, they, I remember I was thinking in my head that I was going to drink. And then, and then um, when they, we dropped them off and as soon as we dropped them off, sorry, as soon as we dropped them off, um, I, I, I told my husband, I wanted to go to my favorite restaurant and have a drink. And that's why I relapsed. And I promised when we were sitting at the restaurant, I mean, he just sat there and looked at me and said, is it okay? I know you're on medication for alcoholism. Um, is it okay? And I said, I don't know. We'll find out. And I was determined to drink that day, but I promised him that it was only going to be that day. And it turned into every day for two years. Gotcha. And then your your son was in the hospital. What what happened there? Uh, yes, I had to admit him to my son has been hospitalized several times. And mm -hmm. we're talking about my son, Michael, who was one of the 18 year old twins. And he had to be hospitalized on um, uh, several times in a psychotic uh, or in a psychiatric unit to get help with medication, um, to regulate him, so on and so forth. And he was having some pretty, pretty challenging behaviors that I didn't feel were safe for me or the rest of our family, especially my other children. And um, he was in crisis. He was in crisis. And so I searched for uh, an autism inpatient unit. Um, and I did find a hospital in Connecticut and I had him admitted. Hmm. In December, actually, actually, I'm sorry for inter interrupting. This time last year, he was in the hospital. He was in the hospital during Christmas last year. Wow. And so you have three, uh, three kids. Uh, they're all on the autism spectrum. Whereabouts are they um, on the spectrum? Yeah, thank you for asking. I have 18-year-old twins, and they are mid-functioning. They're very verbal. Mm. 
Um, neither one of them are uh, Regents diploma bound. Um, they will get what's called an IEP diploma or a local diploma. After school, they will probably go to a transition program. Um, one of them is in a residential school in Boston. And so at, he thinks he's in his senior year of school. But um, what he doesn't know is that this school actually has a college program also. So um, he'll be there. Um, and, but he speaks a lot. He's very technology savvy. Dimitri. Um, will most definitely have a job. He'll go to a transition program, a two-year transition program that teaches vocational skills. My 12-year-old is nonverbal. He uses an iPad to communicate his wants and needs. Mm. So, I mean, I think that you go through a lot of challenges just day, like on a daily basis that a lot of people don't. Can you describe some of those things that are perhaps difficult for you that... Um, and how you, how you overcome them on a, on a daily basis? For one thing, I, um, I meditate three times a day uh, for 10 minutes and it's hard. I have to put it in my, I have to put it in my calendar and I have to stop everything. And even if I have to get out of the house and meditate, I have to do that. And that's been one of the biggest tools that I have learned Mm. Um, through the pandemic, and as as well as support, um, I, I you know alcoholism is very lonely. It's a, it's a disease of isolation, as well as um, you know being a special needs mom. I'm sure that anyone, I mean, as, as you know, mo most of them will smile and say it's okay, everything's great, everything's fine. And and I can tell you that probably 99% of the time it's not. And, um, you know, like, for example, with my son, um, who has behavior challenges, he is super talented in technology, he has beautiful language. Um, but in terms of behavior challenges, like the last two years of his life, we had the police at our house. Um, so many times um, because of his OCD with um, Amazon and with hoarding. He's a big hoarder with items. Um, for example, if he has one and um, he is obsessed with the Wiggles, I mean, he has been, I don't know if you know the Wiggles, the, um, the children's group from Australia. And we know them personally because he owns probably $15,000 worth of merchandise from them. For <laughs> wow. example, if there is one DVD, he has to have that DVD from Canada. Um, uh, and yes, there's a Canadian release, there's a UK release, there's a Japanese release, and then the, by the dates of manufacture. And then if there's a sticker on the front that says sale, it's different. So he has to have that one as well. And if that comes out and it's, and it's hard for me to get that item and he, and he wouldn't earn it, then um, the property destruction would happen, the holes in the wall, um, the slamming the microwave, um, school, uh, starting school every year was a challenge because he, um, because the structure, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a different type of schedule, even though he had it back in June and we tried to keep his schedule as consistent as possible, the first day of school caused a tremendous amount of anxiety for him. And two years in a row, he, um, he microwaved his backpack, um, which is very scary. Um, so, you know, we have challenges like that. Then, then you know, you, you get the three, 
the three problem um, in terms of my son, Dimitri, who would get very upset when I would try and implement Michael's behavior plan because he knew that Michael was going to scream. So then my son, Dimitri, who rarely has property destruction since my son, Michael, moved away to Boston. But at the time, he would try and punch the TV, um, pour water over the TV. That was his go-to. So a lot of Big property destruction challenges. It's expensive after a while, doesn't it? Yes, it is. And not to spoil the book, but I think you've read part of it. Um, mm-hmm. I think you know there was one incident with the TV <laughs> that I talked about very early on during lockdown. So that's a lot to deal with. What are some of the tools that you have or that you could pass on to somebody else who perhaps is facing similar challenges with um, somebody with autism that you can pass on to them? Sure. The biggest, you know, one of the things that I've learned um, during the pandemic through my journey to sobriety again is Um, reaching out for support. And that's not something that I do easily. Um, And I think it's just critical that you have a good, not only that you have a good support system, and I did have a good support system, but you need to exercise that support system. And you need to make that call, or, you know, send that text and say, you know, I'm not okay. I need help. Can you talk to me for a few minutes? I know that, you know, it puts you in a vulnerable state, but you really, it's critical that you do that. And I know that in the recruiting world, we talk about networking. One of the chapters that that, um, my manager and I wrote about is the title of the chapter is networking. It's uncomfortable, but do it anyway. That's one of the biggest tools Mm. that I've learned. Um, uh, Solution starts with support. Gotcha. Um, so what do you think um, people can, can, what are some of the biggest takeaways that you think people, um, can, after reading your book, what are some of the things that they can take away and, and uh, implement in their own lives? Sure. Um, Thank you for that question. First of all, um, you do not know what demons someone may be battling. It's always best to take the high road, whether you feel like it or not. Be kind because you really don't know how someone can be battling addiction or substance abuse, depression, anxiety. Um, I think we're all very good at acting. Um, I think a lot of people were shocked when they read my book Hmm. um, because, uh, you know, so many people said, I had no idea you you seem so strong and I admire you for for your strength and your ability and your parenting skills. But they had no idea that at the end of the day, I'm sitting there with several bottles of wine um, and battling getting clean. So number um, first and foremost, just be kind. Mm. So what was the publishing process like? Because there's one thing to do a journal and to to have these private mm-hmm. thoughts, but then put them out into the world is got to be scary. It's got to be tough. Did you find that was the case? I mean, you seem like a very, you're obviously a very 
open book and 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 willing to talk about all these issues very openly which i commend you for by the way but it's still there still has to be that sense of fear i think that um you know what what will people think of me did you did you find that was the case somewhat during the writing process but i have to tell you when i pushed that publish button i was shaking in my shoes <laughs> i mean i so many people no one else no, there weren't a lot of people who knew that I am a recovering alcoholic. And even like people close to me didn't know that I had relapsed. So it, including my mother-in-law mm. um, who had been to my house, you know, practically every day, I was very good at hiding my bottles. She had no idea. People in our family had no idea. Um, yes, it was very scary. However, I feel like it's just so important to bring awareness to especially to, you know, as you know, I dedicate the book to other special needs moms um, because I, it's just so important that someone really talks about the bad on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, on social media feeds. Everything looks great. You know, everybody's having a vacation. Everyone's having a beautiful holiday. But, you know, it, it's I'm a realist. Let's just be real about this. Um, this is what it's really like. And I really wanted to bring awareness to that. And yes, it was scary, but I'm really glad I did. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, up here in Canada, too, like, you know, there's, uh, I mean, it's not in, in areas, there's like very strict lockdowns. We, we're locked down here, but it's, it's not super strict. But even without the uh, social aspect of day-to-day -day life, it, it gets really tough, you know, and, and it wears down on you. And I think that a lot of people are struggling with, uh, you know, you know, the isolation and, and not being able to see people. Um, so what, is there anything that people, that people can do to not feel so alone and especially during lockdown in, in today's uh, pandemic? Oh, it's, it, I think it's easier to be social now mm. than it was before the pandemic. I think our world has changed tremendously with socialization and the ability to find people that you have things in common with and to socialize. Um, I am in a, in a 12 step program, 12 step faith program. And I have been able to participate in um, support groups all over the world. And um, I choose to participate in uh, mainly women's groups. And they are there. They're, there are Zoom calls everywhere. Um, so I just think that people need to reach out and take that time to socialize with others. Mm. And how does the, how do these support groups help you? We are all very honest. We're all very vulnerable and we are all very real women, just like me who have significant challenges that others would never know about. And we're all just trying to improve ourselves and enjoy our lives and, and support everyone around us and be, be the best person that we can be. Mm. 
So going back to the book, you know, you you created a website, you uh, you you've done some marketing. What's what's the end goal with the with the book, and and who do you hope to reach? Thank you. The end goal of the book is to create mental health awareness surrounding special needs moms. I I somewhat feel like it's a taboo topic. Um, uh, mothers really don't reach out because we aren't allowed to say we're ha- we're having a bad day. We have a lot of responsibility. I mean, motherhood at any point, special needs are not, it's tough. Motherhood is super tough. Mm. So the purpose of my book really is to expose the, the special needs moms and what we live like, what, what it may look like. Um, on a day-to-day basis. And, um, and, and that's really the end goal of my book. I do, um, it, it's not about um, a financial, from a financial standpoint, it's not about making income. This is my first book. Um, it's really about sending a message. Mm. And I'm looking forward to doing that more in 2021. I mean, I think you and I, um, I spoke to you about my marketing campaign starting um, in January 100 to 100, where I'm going to give away 100 printed books to other um, autism moms who may feel lonely during the second surge of the pandemic. Mm. And where did you, did you, uh, yeah, I guess, where did you come up with that campaign? I, you know, I don't know how it, I, it just came to my mind. It's very catchy. <laughs> I, I, I really like it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really excited about it. I'm excited about the idea to connect with others. That's the whole purpose of it, to connect. Mm. And, um, you know, I don't have that second page up on my website yet. I'm launching it um, the I, probably the second week of January. But really, you know, I want to send a message of, um, are you struggling in the pandemic? Are you still struggling in the pandemic? Well, so am I. Mm-hmm. Read my book and I bet we have things in common. Let's connect. Could you talk a little bit about more of the stigma around, um, yeah, I guess, motherhood and autism? Um, at what, in terms of, um, our expectations? Yes. Expectations. Like it, it seems like, like you said that, uh, with motherhood that you, you're not allowed to have a bad day. And I think that probably resonates with a lot of, especially moms, because you need to always seem like a perfect mother and you need to have everything. You need to have the job. You need to have, you know, be a perfect mom and be there for your kids. And obviously that's not always possible. No, it's not. And you know, we, sorry, excuse me. (laughs) Sorry. That's okay. Uh, We are, we have a tremendous amount of responsibility on our shoulders. If you're managing, like, like in my case, I'm managing three very disabled souls. And if I go to, if I go to a clinic or if I go to um, an agency that provides help and I'm very vulnerable and I answer all their questions and I tell them, what my responsibilities are at home versus what I'm drinking. Um, and they are a mandated reporter. 
then it can put you in a situation that it, it, that's not really ideal. It's, it's kind of the same thing as nurses. You know, um, nurses, you know, I, I have a couple of nurse friends who are afraid to get help or who may be in relapse and um, they're afraid because mm. if they get reported, then they could lose their job. So what is there a solution to that? Is there a way that they can get help and, and there can be that safe space for them uh, without the threat of, of losing a job or, you know, having kids taken away. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, the, the solution is to find someone who recommends an agency or a social worker that they have worked with. You have to know someone who is trustworthy. Um, it's, it's very unfortunate that you really can't just find something on the up place on the internet and social media without a recommendation. You have to get recommendations of people who have worked there. Gotcha. And so have you, you know, I guess marketing plan aside, what's, what do you envision for the book? I envision um, sending it out to uh, a lot more than 100 women. I I would love to send it to 100 women in every country. I would love to get sponsors um, who can help me print. It's not a lot of money, but I'm not a wealthy person. But, you know, I I would love to send it to more than 100 people. Um, I would like to send the book and, and just get attention from various different media sources who can help bring awareness to mental health challenges. Um, uh, you know, in, in a perfect world, I'd like to have, I have some ideas in my head about how I can create an organization that is safe for special needs moms and, and their mental health challenges, um, possibly find a partner. Um, in a university hospital that could possibly create an agency or a, a safe place for us. Awesome. So I'm going to wrap it up with one last question. And this is something I ask all my, uh, anyone who's on the podcast. And that is, is there, do you have a favorite book uh, or one that you like to gift? Hmm. I do have one book that I happen to be very proud of, and it's only because I, not because I'm a co-author, but I'm very passionate about women uh, returning to the workforce. Mm. So any book that's about women returning to the workforce, but I do have a book called On Her Way Back that's a step-by-step guide. And I would be happy to send it to anyone free of cost if you are a woman and you would like to return to the workforce after uh, being at home or being a full-time mom, I would be happy to send it. Hmm. Can you tell us a little bit? So what are the, so I know I said that was the last question, but (laughs) I'm really curious about this now. Um, What's, yeah, what are some of the challenges that uh, women face when returning to the workforce? Oh, that's a great question. Transfer of skills. A lot of women don't know how to transfer their skills or how to articulate it on paper, what they've done in the past, you know, 10 years. I'm sure that they, there are a lot of organizations that they've been involved in. There are a lot of projects that they've worked on pro bono, and they need to be able to articulate that onto paper. 
that is attractive to a recruiter. In addition, they need to know how to beat the ATS system, um, which is applying online and how you, you know, keywords, 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 have your social media profiles set up properly. Um, also have a plan. You have to be organized in what you want to do. You can't, you, you, you can't, you have to have it all perfectly organized in terms of your job search um, and in terms of what industry you want to be in and what job roles you want to be in. You, you, you can't be scatterbrained and have it all over the place. Um, those are the, the main parts to find having a successful job search. I love supporting women. Awesome. Uh, and uh, so thank you for being on the show today. For people who want to reach out to you, what, what's the best place to find you? Uh, where can they buy the book? Sure. Um, my website is melaniedonis.com. And uh, my book is on Amazon called Leaning on Mom. And my email address is embrace, E-M-B-R-A-C-E, autism67 at gmail.com. Perfect. Well, thank you again for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And have a wonderful day. You too. Bye-bye now. Thank you for listening to Publishing for Profit. Please like and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.